0: Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We are the Nelsons. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lynette.
0: In this episode, we'll be sharing our first interview with an adult adoptee. Our whole mission for the podcast is to encourage dialogue around helping adoptees and really to try to amplify their voices. So we're really excited to get to share one of their voices with you today. In this episode, Lynette gets to interview our friend, Sherilyn, and as mentioned, she is an adoptee. She'll share her story and also include her search for her birth parents. It's an incredibly powerful story and we know that you're gonna love it. Sherilyn is a librarian who enjoys traveling, cycling, and reading. She also is fascinated with family history and loves that she has so many family lines to keep her busy. Sherilyn lives in the Western United States with her husband and has four children.
1: We are on with Sherilyn, thank you so much for being here with us, excited to talk to you. I'm glad to be here. For starters, can you share
2: a bit about yourself and your adoption story? So as you heard, my name is Sherilyn and I was adopted in 1967. So back when I was adopted, all adoptions that I know I've ever heard of were closed. So of course my adoption story is completely different from your adoption story. To kind of start with my story, I was born in New York City in the late 60s, as I said, and my father was working at Bell Laboratories in New Jersey. They were actually from out west, but they were there going to school. My um, adoptive parents had a boy, and then my mother couldn't get pregnant again. And she happened to be helping with uh, a family that adopted a child and they told her about it and she decided that she wanted to try to adopt and she waited about a year before she found out she was going to get me. And they were so excited, but she was two months pregnant. They decided not to tell the adoption agency that she was pregnant because they thought there was a possibility they could lose the baby. Or as she said, she'd waited so long she figured that she was ready for two babies. But six months later, She's in the doctor's office and she's just huge. And she says to the doctor, I'm so big. Are you sure I'm not pregnant with with twins? And he said, well, yeah, you probably are. And um, so he sent her to get x-rays. I know that's a big no-no now, but that's what they did. Sure enough, there were twins. And I asked my mom later, I said, why didn't he not know till you were that far along? And she said, I'm pretty sure he did. He was just afraid I'd be suicidal with a new baby. So I have twin sisters who are six months younger than me. And then there's my brother. And then 10 years later, my mom got pregnant again. And so I have a little sister that's 10 years younger. As far as knowing that I was adopted, I've always known. I don't remember being told. So I asked my mother once, I don't remember you tell me I was adopted. When did you tell me? And she said, oh, you don't remember? I cried and cried when I told you. And I said, you did? And she said, yeah, it was a day after you came home from the adoption agency. (laughs) I said, okay, I don't remember at six weeks old, (laughs) this conversation. But (laughs) it was never a big deal in our family. It was always, we're so happy that we have you. We wanted you for so long. We love you so much. And... Honestly, it wasn't a secret anywhere because my sisters were six months younger than me. So there were natural questions that came up. I think sometimes they might have overdid it because uh, my mom told me a story once about how my sisters came in crying to her room and said, We want to be chosen. (laughs) So she had to reframe the story a little bit (laughs) so that we were all chosen. (laughs) So anyway... um, I had a pretty normal childhood. My parents did get divorced when I was 12, but always felt loved and the rest of my siblings, it was never, we were never different from each other in the way that we were treated. As I was growing up, my mom and dad used to say, oh, someday if you want to find your birth parent, we'll help you. And uh, they would just say that my mother was young, but they had this file, this adoption file, In this cabinet, and in the adoption file, there were two pieces of paper, and and one piece of paper was my adopted birth name. So I knew what my birth name was. On the piece of paper said that my mother was 5'7", and she had brown hair and brown eyes, and she was half English and half Yugoslavian. And that my my, um, grandfather was a minister and that my father was 19, and that's just the basic stuff that I knew. So I always was curious about my birth mother. I don't think I thought as much about my birth father as I did my birth mother, but I was definitely curious about them both. Thought someday I would get around to figuring out how to find them, but hadn't really done anything until I was about 33, 34, and I had a neighbor whose husband was adopted. And she was trying to find his mother, but they did know her name, and it was a very common name. And she was having trouble, and I said to her, well, I could find my birth mother or father. I didn't know what my last name was from, but it would be pretty easy. And then I told her my birth name, and so it's a very unusual last name. She went back to her house, and about 45 minutes later, she came over to my home with a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper were two people that she found in the whole United States with the same last name. So she gave me the piece of paper and with the addresses. So this was about, it was the end of July and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do because I need to think about it. And a few days later my brother-in-law passed away suddenly. And so My mother and I flew out to Florida for his funeral, and I just started thinking, you just never know, like, my medical history and life's short and whatever. So I talked to my mom about it, uh, having these names, and my mom was so excited. She was more excited than me. She couldn't wait to meet my birth mother, and she just was just crazy about it. So when I got home, I wrote the two letters. One was in Ohio and one was in New Jersey. So then this was the end of July and around Labor Day, I had gone up to my sister-in-law's for Labor Day weekend and we came back and I was supposed to go to work. I had a message on my answering machine and it said, please call me at, and she left a phone number. Well, I was In a hurry to get to work but I did open up the phone book and I looked where the zip code was where the area code was rather and it was South Carolina and I thought well that's strange because I thought if this is the call it should be from New Jersey or Ohio so I went to work and I got home really late and my husband was gone in the morning when I woke up but there was a piece of paper on uh, next to the phone it said call R-O and then it stopped which wasn't unusual because my husband can't spell and then it said uh I can't remember if it had the last name but anyway it had the phone number so I was thinking about calling and I I may have even called and left my phone number I can't remember but a few hours later I got this phone call and it was from this guy and he said I'm not related to you but I got your letter and I thought I'd tell you a little bit about the family So he proceeds to tell me about his family, and he said uh, some of the things he said in the conversation. He told me that his mother was from England, and his father was from Croatia, which is part of Yugoslavia, used to be. And that they got married. They met during the war and got married and immigrated to the United States. And I said, oh, that's interesting, because I'm half... Croatian and my mother was half Croatian half English she's like oh and then he starts telling me some more and he said oh do you have um light skin or dark skin I said oh I have light skin he said oh well I have dark skin but my sister has light skin and blue eyes pop up every once in a while in the family and I said oh well my son has blue eyes and then he started talking about um, how unusual their last name was and he said It's so unusual that when my sister was living in New York City in the late 60s, it was the only person with the last name in the whole phone book in New York City. And I said, oh, I was born in New York City in the late 60s. How old is your sister? And then he kind of like climbed up and he's like, I don't know. She was born in like 49 or 50. And I said, oh, because that's when my mother would have been born. And And he said, well, if you think it's my sister, it's not. And at the same time, I'm thinking, there's no way in the entire world it could be anybody else. So he kind of ended the phone call abruptly. And now I remember because I had not called. Then I called that phone number and left a message. And then I was getting ready to go to work. And I got this phone call. And she said, and I'm your mother. And I said, I know, but does your brother? (laughs) Apparently, he did not know because... The story was that she went to NYU at 16, and she had, so she was very young, and she met this boy that also went to NYU at 16, who she's um, told me about and said was my birth father, and she had gotten pregnant over the summer and went back to New York City and didn't tell her mother that she was pregnant. She had lost her father The year before she went to NYU. And so I'm not sure why, but she just didn't share it with her mother. And she said that when she found out she was pregnant with me, she just knew right away that she was going to have the baby and not have an abortion. Of course, abortions weren't legal back then. She did have a few people who told her that they knew a way that she could get an abortion. So she had me and, um, She said, oh, also she told my birth father right away that she was going to give me up for adoption. So she said she never really, they never really talked about another option. A few weeks after she gave me up, she got a phone call from the adoption agency and they said, we need you to come in and sign the paper, your mother to come in and sign the papers. And she said, what do you mean? I signed the papers. And they said, well, you're a minor. You can't sign the papers. So that is when her mother found out that she had had a baby. But I was long gone by then. She just never told her brother. Her brother was like 12 years old. So her brother, in fact, never did know until the moment he talked to me and figured it out. And then um, after I met her, we bonded pretty quickly. In fact, probably too quickly, I would say now, but talked a lot on the phone, uh, had just so many conversations. And then I kind of, I wanted to get to know who my father was also and she knew his name and she knew randomly she knew his father's name I said oh his father was a Methodist minister in Philadelphia I said oh I don't really want to contact them and tell his parents about me if he doesn't know so she said she'd have her friend look into it and her friend never got anywhere so I just decided to take it upon myself. So I called the um, um, some kind of Philadelphia Methodist office or something like that. And I asked about my grandfather and they said, oh, he's passed away. And I said, oh, well, I was actually looking for his son. And they told me that his son had also passed away. But they gave me the number of what would be my grandmother and his sister. So I called and left a message with both of them asking me to call and I got a phone call from my birth father's sister and she was outside in the parking lot of a Philadelphia Eagles game when she called me and I said that I was Tom's daughter and the first thing she said was, well, you can't be because he's gay and I was like, well, <laughs> to tell you," so she asked me a few questions. And then she talked to um, my birth mother, and then she was pretty convinced. And I did say a few times, well, we could do some DNA. And she's like, no, she knows enough about him that I think this is true. So I met her. I went out to New York City, and I met my birth grandmother and my birth mother. I did meet my birth mother. She came out at Thanksgiving time. And she met my family, and she met my mom, and just so excited. And my father, who lives in a different state, he was so excited. He couldn't wait to meet her. Uh, my, my parents, they always said, you can never have too many people who love you or that you love. And so they just embraced her right away. Um, and she flew me out to meet her mom, and she drove me to Philadelphia, and we met my birth grandmother and my Birth aunt and I went out there a few times and met them and so I got quite close to everyone and eventually uh, my birth grandmother passed away and when she passed away my birth mother wanted to move here and so she actually took some of the money and we ended up buying a house together and that didn't work out in the end but that's another story. It's been really interesting to get to know her both good and bad. So I have contact on and off with her a little bit, not a lot at the moment. Then you fast forward. So that was in 2003. And in 2017, I decided to take a DNA test just for fun and to kind of see where my ancestry was from and, and the whole nine yards, even though I had done all the genealogy, I had done a lot of genealogy for my birth mother, and I had done a lot of genealogy on my birth father's side. So I knew that my birth father, they were German, they were Pennsylvania Dutch, so they had come from Germany. I did the DNA test, and I didn't get any results for a long time, and I happened to be in England, uh, where my husband was working at the moment, and I'm in his apartment, and I'm in the back bedroom, And I open up my computer and I look at the DNA test and it comes up and it says that I'm half Jewish. And I was like totally surprised and I remember yelling to my husband, I'm like, Eric, I'm half Jewish. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm half Jewish. So um, kind of to backtrack a little bit, when I met my birth mother, she said, this is your birth father, but in all honesty, I should tell you, there's just this little teeny tiny chance that there's this one Jewish boy that I slept with one time, but the doctor said that there's no way that the dates are off. So there's no way this boy could be your, your father. So obviously she was wrong. So I texted her and I said, I'm half Jewish. And she said, I always thought I was Jewish, but I never knew how. And I'm like, um, "You're not Jewish, number one, and number two, you would know if you were all Jewish." And I'm half Jewish, <laughs> and so um, she said something, and I said, "Do you even know his name?" <laughs> she said, "So she did. Re- she didn't remember his name, but she remembered that he was from um, Brookline, Massachusetts, and." He had also gone to NYU. I think that's about all that she remembered about him. With the DNA test, I had some relative matches, but they were like third and fourth cousins. So they weren't close enough for me to really figure it out yet. And that was in the end of April. And then uh, the beginning of December, I got a match that was either a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, or a half-sibling, I think. I can't remember, but very close match. And I looked at his age and everything, and I knew that it had to be an uncle. So I wrote to him and just gave him an explanation of who I was, and he didn't write back. So I wrote to him again, and he didn't write back, and I got no reply from him. So finally I was like, okay, I gave them a chance, so now I'm just going to go find him kind of. And so there was another person that I work with. I'm a librarian. And, and so we're pretty good at research skills. And she's like, oh, let's just go ahead and look. So we start looking around. And since we knew um, his name and we knew being from Brookline, Massachusetts, we looked, we found his name in this private school. So then the uncles. And so we tried to go back to the age that we thought the age range that he would be and couldn't find anything. But this was a private school where we found him. So then we went to the public school and we found his name and then we Googled his name and he happens to do some acting and so he had a page um, for his acting, you know, about himself and in there, there was an email address. So I just sent the email address and he contacted me and he said he that there was a possibility I was his his uh, daughter, and he asked me a few questions and a lot of questions about how DNA works and everything else and said that he did know that my birth mother was pregnant because um, so back then NYU had an upper and a lower campus and they were on different campuses, but he happened to be on that campus one day and she was visibly pregnant and he asked her about it and she just flippantly said, oh, it could be yours and walked away. And then when he went <laughs> to ask later about her, he found out from his friends that, he'd, that she'd had the baby and given the baby up. And so he said he'd always said that there was a slight chance he had a baby somewhere out there, a child. He uh, wasn't completely shocked. And then a few months after that, I, my husband had work in New York City, so I went out and I got to meet him too. And um, over the last couple of years we bonded pretty well. And he, it's kind of sweet because he calls me every Thursday. So he's never missed a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my story. It's an amazing story. Wow.
1: So you touched on this a little bit, but I wonder if you have anything else you want to add. What was the conversation around adoption in your home? Like when you were a child,
2: it was mainly around how much they wanted me, how much, how long they'd waited to have a baby and how excited they were, going, they were to have me. And as far as my birth mother went, it was just how she was young and how hard it would be to raise a baby when she was so young and how thankful they were that she had given me to them to take care of. Also, just kind of on uh, part of the adoption story was these pieces of paper that i had and i asked my dad about it and my dad said that when i was a year old the lawyer accidentally sent the papers to my father before the permanent adoption and it had the birth name on it and they realized and they called him and he said i didn't tell them that i would destroy it but i may have led them to believe i would destroy the paper but i would never do that And then he said the little piece of paper with identifying, kind of non-identifying information, he had just written down as soon as they left the adoption agency, he just wrote down everything that that he could remember they told him. So adoption was just kind of a happy event. And it was very, I should say, for somebody who born in the late 60s, it was very unusual. I have friends over the years who found out they were adopted later and it was very traumatic for them. But it was never traumatic for me because it was a happy event and it was a normal event and it wasn't something that needed to be hidden.
1: Wow. It sounds like your parents did a lot of things really well, too. Like they were always advocating for you, trying to have information for you, wanting you to
2: yeah feel like you could look for your birth family. And- yeah, I think it's pretty amazing because they never, um, they just weren't jealous people. Yeah. And they just really felt like love is something that you can have with more than one person, and it doesn't take away for you to love someone else, too. So
1: I love that. That's awesome. So when do you think you really understood what being adopted meant?
2: I don't think I ever remember not knowing, and I don't know when I really... It clicked with me, and I don't remember that change. The only thing I ever remember was when I was like eight or nine... One time I was on the playground and somebody started teasing me and said, oh, you're adopted. And I just said, oh yeah, well, at least I know my parents have me because they wanted me, not because they felt sorry for me. And that ended the teasing. And I never had anything else happen that anybody else teased me after that. So um, I just think when you uh, treat things as being normal, then they are normal. Yeah. So what were your feelings toward adoption as a child? I think as a child, of course, I always wondered
1: mm-hmm. what
2: my parents looked like. And I would just picture in my head, like, them coming to the door and me seeing them. And, of course, I pictured my mother looking just like me. And I had those kind of feelings. And I, and I wondered. But I never, some adopted people feel like they're looking for a mother or they're looking for a father. And I never had that void in my life that I felt like. I um, needed that, but I was always curious, what do they look like? What are they like? Do they like the same things I like? And that curiosity never really went away. I still, all the time, hey, did you ever this or did this ever happen to you? And so I'm constantly, um, this whole nature versus nurture thing is a curiosity to me. And I actually, one time they, I didn't follow through, but somebody was trying to find um, what they call unrelated multiples. And since I'm considered an unrelated triplet because they study people like us to see, like my dad told me once, we all, for the first five years of our lives, you know, we basically went to bed at the same time and woke up at the same time and ate at the same time and played, you know, much the same thing. And so it's always been curious to me how different I am from my sisters.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And so after meeting your birth parents, do you feel like you saw a lot of similarities and found um, a lot of that?
2: Yes, I, there's definitely some similarities and some things that I definitely got from them, which is interesting. And then in other ways, there's things that I know I got from my adopted parents. And so it's an interesting mix, but it's just very strange how much genetics play into who you are.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. so interesting. I mean, on a side note, my daughter, she says things just like her birth mom and we see her birth mom, but yeah. not so much that you would think she'd have these interesting talking patterns that Sean and I don't say things like, oh, I was thinking on this, but her birth mom says that all the time. And so <laughs> does she. Or like... <laughs> like she hasn't picked it up from hanging out with her that much, I don't think, but yeah. it's just like this interesting genetic thing that, I don't know, it's very interesting, it's cool.
2: Yeah, it is pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. We get a lot of questions about searching for birth family and reunification stories. Your story is fascinating. It's so good. How long do you think you were thinking about
2: searching for your birth family before you started? I believe most of my life I thought about them. But as far as seriously thinking about it, when I had my oldest child, when I was 22, It started making me think about it just because here's my child and, you know, how are they like me? And it was the first time that I had someone who looked like me in some ways, even though he kind of looks like his dad. But I say he looks like me in some (laughs) ways. And so as I had my kids, these questions kept coming up. And especially like my second son, who now is 6'5 and my husband's family is not that big. And people would say, oh, where did they get this from? Or how come he's so tall? Or how come this about your kid? And so those thoughts started coming through my in my thought process. Having a child with blue eyes when I had brown eyes and my husband has brown eyes. That that was fascinating to me. I remember reading about some like birth registries and thinking, Oh, I should do that sometime but I never followed through and Honestly, it was having that friend that brought the the names to me and made it so simple for me to just write and get get information. That was uh that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I definitely wasn't looking for the DNA for my birth father because my birth father was I thought I knew who my birth father was. So
1: yeah, that's a really interesting part of the
2: story. So did you tell
1: his Mother and sister and...
2: I mean, I don't want to say luckily because it's not lucky that somebody passed away. But both my grandmother and my aunt had passed away by the time I found out. And I only say that because they just were so thrilled because my birth father, number one, he never had any more children and his sister never had any kids. And so for my grandmother, um, I still think of her as my grandmother sometimes, but she... I was like the only grandchild, and it brought such joy to her life. And I used to call her and write to her, and when she got to meet the kids, it just was so happy for her that at least I feel good that it brought some joy into her life, but I never had to tell them, and I'm glad because it would have broke my heart to have to say that to them.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I don't know. They were just so trusting, and I, and I had mentioned we could do a DNA test, but they never wanted one, so... We never had one. Well, and it sounds like they felt like family too. Yeah, they felt like family too. And they were just very nice people. And so I'm glad that I met them. Also glad I didn't have to tell them either. Yeah. Do you have any advice for
1: people who are thinking about looking for their birth parents and looking at their reunification process for first steps or things to do as they're getting ready for that?
2: First of all, I think you should be psychologically ready for... Any outcome because sometimes it's just all roses though I don't know anybody who it's been all perfect but but sometimes there's rejection and that's something that you have to be ready for that you might be rejected and for me it's been very up and down with my birth mother pretty much pretty steady with my birth father but I will say my birth father didn't go through trauma and a birth mother really does go through trauma and it causes some issues but As far as finding someone, I think in the last few years, a lot of states have opened up birth certificates, so you can get names. I think DNA is excellent. It brings you some relatives that you can start trying to work through the family tree and figure out and contact them. I know there are people called Search Angels. There's a Facebook group, DNA Detectives, and there are people there that can help you with that DNA, also looking at public records. So for my birth father, it really was a matter of just searching for his name and looking in yearbooks and finding any information that I could from it. And other than that, I think it's just, sometimes it's just patience. When I first got the DNA match, it wasn't like, oh, and this is your father, this is your mother. Like it happens for some people. So sometimes it's just a matter of time. But more importantly, I think just be prepared. That's great advice.
1: How did connecting with your birth parents pan out compared
2: to your expectations? I think my initial expectations were more, I'm going to meet them. I'll find out about them, talk to them occasionally, and then get the medical information and that will kind of be the end of it. I didn't realize how quickly I would bond with them and how quickly I would, there was just. I think kind of a need to be close to them and to know who they were that I wasn't aware that I had because I, I never felt an emptiness. And I think also I would say some of the heartache that my birth mother went through that I don't think she ever quite got over and in my mind as I pictured, as I was younger and I pictured my birth mother. And the way my mother kind of told the story that, you know, then she was able to move on, get married, have children, and have this, you know, her a life that was a, a family life. And she never did get married. She hasn't since, but only in the last few years. But she didn't have children, and she didn't go on to have this, like, perfect life that I just envisioned that she had, that she was able to move on, and I think... It just was always difficult for her to move on. And that's probably the most hard for me because it it makes me sad. And and it's hard because sometimes she'll say, I'm depressed because of you. And I think, but I didn't make you depressed. And that's where we kind of have problems sometimes because I'm like, you have depression maybe based on an incident, but I didn't cause that. Mm -hmm. I'm just a result of choices. So that's really hard. Yeah.
1: Do you have any advice for family members and loved ones of adoptees who are going through tough times trying to build those relationships with birth parents?
2: I think it's just the most important thing is to be a good listener. But the second most I'd say is to be accepting of the having these people come into their lives and that it's not any reflection on the adoptive family, or that all of a sudden I don't happen to have any siblings, but a lot of people I know, they find their birth parents and they have these siblings and they have all these other people that come into their lives. And it doesn't take away, but uh, I think in any relationship you have to be careful not to take sides. Even if you're right, you'll lose. (laughs) So I just think being a good listener, you know, just being loving. What do you wish other people understood about adoption? there's certain terminology that i that i extremely dislike one of them is your real family i mean my real family is the family that i have and my adoptive family is the family that is my family and i don't have a real mother and a real father i have i want to say birth mother and a birth father but i know sometimes other terminology people use but and then i have my adoptive parents who I consider my mom and my dad and so sometimes people will ask me about my mom and it really confuses me because my mother's actually passed away and they but they mean my birth mother and I'm like oh okay and then I'll and then I'll say her name because I always want to reflect back what I prefer for her to be referred to as for adoption it's a bonding and that families are based on someone who's raised you and loves you and my adoptive mother was always there when I was sad or when I was happy or when I succeeded or when I failed. And so there's that bond and that bond with my siblings and with my father. And that's all a family. And I think sometimes people don't think think that there's this other family out there. And I love my other family that I've met. and And I love them and they're becoming part of my family, but... Being adopted doesn't mean that you are rejected. It doesn't mean that you are somehow different from other people. You are, but you aren't. You're just have a life like everyone else.
1: Love that. Do you feel like your mother and father's excitement about you finding your birth
2: family affected your perception of it, or I think your I never had to worry about how they felt or mm-hmm. that I was hurting them. And that really made a difference because I remember first, you know, getting up the courage on the plane on the trip to be like, oh, mom, by the way. And just that joy that she had and that she had meeting my birth mother. In fact, she's like, can I be there? She just <laughs> wanted to be a part of the whole thing. And, and my adopted father invited my birth mother to our family reunion and and just wanted to, to make her a part of our family and just bring her in right away that was just very reassuring as far as the meeting my birth father they actually he came into my life at an interesting time because i found out about him in april my mother passed away in july um, when i first met my birth father it was 3 weeks before my father died it was an interesting timing because he would call me and he would console me and he would talk about my father and I would talk about my father. And, and he was just there for me and so he never had an opportunity to meet them. So I don't know how that would have gone. I assume it would have gone okay, pretty well. I know sometimes my father was very protective of the fact that a dad would step up. And I think given the circumstances, I don't have any reason to believe it would have gone poorly.
1: What are some helpful things others did while you were searching for
2: and reuniting with your birth family? Everything happened quickly. I had a very supportive husband, and that was helpful because he just he just was accepting of, you know, me searching and wanting to look. And though his favorite thing he likes to say to people when they complain is, well, some people have one mother-in-law, but I have three mother-in-laws. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, So I didn't have a lot of searching compared to other people and some people spend years trying to find and I think that probably is frustrating and draining on people but everyone in my life was just more thinking about the mystery of it and I think maybe I got a little caught up in solving a mystery and not thinking about what then what happens mm-hmm. once they come into your life. And and so that's why my suggestion is to just really consider the what's next before you do all that searching. Because, yeah. I mean, everybody likes a mystery and wants to solve something, but <laughs> there are steps afterwards.
1: And this is more general. How can family and
2: friends better support adoptees in their lives? I think we talked about reflecting terminology. Yes. I think that's really important. Not dwelling on the fact that someone's adopted I think Mm -hmm. just treating them like you would any other person and if they want to bring it up and they want to talk about it then I think it's fine as far as parents go I just cannot say enough how important it is that you talk about how much you loved having them come to the family and tell your birth the story of how they came into your life and and talking about what joy it brought you and also listening if the child like has questions or worries, or wants to know more. Just the more open you can be, I think, about the whole process, the better it is. Awesome. I love that. From your
1: experiences, what benefits have you experienced from having more openness in your adoption
2: over time? And are there any
1: negative aspects to having
2: more openness? Well, I think in general, we haven't really talked about it, but because I grew up in a period when there was a lot of closed adoption... I've seen a lot of trauma I've, I've had a few friends who did not find out they were adopted until they were adults or close to being adults and it was pretty traumatic for them because I think when you keep a secret then people think there's something wrong mm-hmm. and so secrets just I think backfire my parents didn't do this as much but they probably could They were very positive, but they also probably could have shared a little bit more about their worries, too. My birth mother and my mother did have a falling out for a while because my birth mother said some not nice things about me, and then that was, like, the end of that for a while. So everything doesn't just happen simply. And you have to understand when you look for someone that those parents might have kept secrets themselves. Um, that lack of openness can extend to them and the lives that they built and so i've seen stories where people didn't accept the child when they found him because they didn't want anybody in their life to know that they had gone through that people ask me my story and i am happy to tell people my story so people just want to know and it's okay i don't mind i really mind when people Don't ask you questions and then just come to suppositions or think certain things. And so I guess that was the way I was raised. You just ask questions. I'm glad that I found my birth parents. I'm, I also am glad that I was adopted and I'm glad I had the life that I had. It's, it's not a perfect life. It's like everybody else's life. There's the ups and the downs, but I think there's just something so wonderful about being in a family where, You were so wanted and so loved. And I think that happens in all kinds of families.
1: Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you spending time with us and sharing your story. It was wonderful to hear from you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We loved hearing Sherilyn's story.
1: Yes, as I talked with her, my jaw literally just kept dropping open as she shared the twists and turns of her own story. I love her authenticity and her openness, and I'm so thankful for her for taking the time to teach us from her experiences.
0: We'll be back next week with another episode. If you have any questions for us or topics that you would like us to discuss in future episodes, please feel free to reach out on Instagram or email. You can email us at openadoptionproject at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so that you can get episodes as soon as they drop. Thanks so much for listening.